Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, and with me all the way from the land of the Red Dragon is the gold standard in ghost hunting, the star of Most Haunted, and in search of uh, the founder of Parascience and uh, a member of the SPR in the Ghost Club and uh, all-around good chap, Stephen Parsons. Hello. How are you, Ron? Are you well? Outstanding. I'm so glad to hear that. I am, I am, I am. And uh, we have somebody with us or not? We do. Why don't you introduce him? And uh, sitting next to Ron is St. Jan, the long-suffering um, brains behind the operation. Not quite. <laughs> no, we have the teller of curious tales with us tonight. Right. Man of mystery and intrigue who, whose name we cannot reveal. It's a state secret. Well, it's kind of out there already. Oh, is it? Oh, well, in that case, it's Dylan Jones, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Put your hands together. Thank you very much. Good evening. Good evening, Ron. Good evening, Dylan. At least you've got a good, upbeat attitude, that, unlike some people I know. He got a bio, though, didn't he? That's right. That's because I, I'm special, and I thank you very much for doing that, Ron. You know, he always says, oh, I, I don't want to be known as a parent. I don't want to be known as this. I just want to do my thing. And it's like, So he doesn't get his bio, and then you listen to him whine for a month. I had to listen to him crying over it for two days. Oh, God, yeah. I, I can't, I, my sympathy. Anyways, uh, I did get to watch uh, Mr. Steve Parsons on the new In Search of series. and uh, like, I haven't seen it. Yeah, and I was uh, impressed, to be honest with you. Uh, you. I thought you did a, an awesome job. Uh, and also, Ann Winsper was exceptionally good. And uh, hopefully someday we'll get the both of them on our show if if they can never uh, arrange that. So that would be uh, excellent. Anne I'm, I'm was feeling a little frail this week. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's a subject we actually have had Anne on the show talking about. Um, I know, but I, I I thought it'd be a cool idea to talk about the the whole idea of doing, I, I, t- I will. doing TV versus you know I mean what's out there and 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 you know the the whole aspect of it. Uh, well, versus... I'll, I'll inquire as to see if we can get that uh, fixed up for next week. Then. Oh, fine. That would be awesome. There we are. Yep. So, anyways. Uh, I, I just uh, yeah, listened to Ghost Chronicles International right here on uh, Tojanet and Parax Radio. And I was looking at, uh, I saw a documentary, and uh, it was about uh, the various kings of England, including the last Anglo-Saxon king, uh, uh, the Confessor. And I found out he was a saint, which I was, I didn't realize that there was royal, uh, you know, paranormal people. Superheroes. So uh, I, that was intriguing. Uh, well, Dylan and I just looking at each other. We do have the the very first 
people always say that um, the patron saint of England is St. George. Mm-hmm. He's actually our second patron saint, because right. our first patron saint was St. Edmund, who right. was King Edmund of England, who was killed by the Vikings uh, after being tied to a tree and shot through with hundreds of arrows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just checking because uh, neither of us realised until you just said it that Edward the Confessor, who was in fact our last Anglo-Saxon king before... Um, well, that was only because Harold Godwin... Godwin wasn't crowned because right he was he was yeah Cordelia was around for like you know what eight eight weeks or something like that but under British under English law you don't have to actually have had a coronation um you see upon the death of a monarch the next in the line automatically becomes king or queen unless it's uh but the coronation so for example after the death of King Edward the sixth um People, uh, if you look at royal lineages, you will see Queen Mary the first, and then after her, Queen Elizabeth the first. But that negates the the reality of uh, Lady Jane Grey or Queen Jane, who was Queen of England for nine days because she was the nominated uh, successor of Edward the sixth. Yeah, and uh, she was duly appointed and anointed queen upon his death. Mm-hmm. But then she stepped aside and um, allowed Mary to take the throne. Right. But Jane would have been the, you know, for that period of time, she was um, the de facto queen, as right. indeed Harold Godwinson would have been uh, the de facto king. So Edward wouldn't have been the last, he would have been the last. Uh, Crowned Anglo Saxon king. Yeah, as in he had a coronation. Right. right. There was, uh, you know, they, they have a little asterisk after it. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, this is what, uh, when, when people, when we even here in England, uh, Britain, when, we, when we're learning about our kings and queens, quite often um, people, uh, it's taught and it's skipped over the several monarchs who never received coronation. So, for example, right. like the eighth. He never had a coronation, and yet people do acknowledge him because he's in recent living memory, I suppose, um, that he was King Edward VIII, mm-hmm. and he, he abdicated his his uh, um, his crown in favour of his brother, George, who became King George VI. Right. Uh, but Lady Jane Reluctantly. <laughs> was, in fact, uh, Queen Jane, mm-hmm. and Harold Godwin, Godwin yep. was, in fact, King Harold. When he fought at the Battle of Hastings, he was um, an official, uh, the appointed and anointed King of England. Or King right. of- there have been times when there were two kings on the throne, right? Uh, yes, that happened during the uh, the final stages of the War of the Roses um, with Henry VI, who had been reigning for a period of time, but had been usurped and defeated in several battles by um, Edward of York, who declared himself and was declared by his supporters as the uh, King of England, so became King Edward IV, was one of those uh, bizarre occasions where at the Battle of Towton in Yorkshire on Palm Sunday in 1461, you had two uh, British armies, English armies um, in this case, um, one headed by King Henry VI, who wasn't there, and one headed by King Edward IV, who was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, you could also argue that at uh, the Battle of Bosworth, um, 
Wentworth, Richard II, Henry Tudor was crowned on the battlefield, but that immediately followed the death of Richard. Um, so you didn't have two kings in leading their armies at the same time. That did happen at the Battle of, of Tautenberg. Yeah, the, the, uh, it was an interesting um, uh, program that I watched on uh, Westminster, and, and the, the confessor is buried there, and the coronations have occurred there because they all want to have that divine uh, rule where they, you know, if they're close to uh, God, they, they rule with God. So uh, it, I thought that was intriguing. And he actually, according to this, he actually healed people who had the ability to heal people. Well, there is, there is, I mean, it goes way, way beyond Ed, Edward the Confessor. It goes um, back to the Roman emperors and it goes forward to, I think one of the last kings, um, who was involved in what you're what you're referring to was King Charles the First, um, the king who was beheaded and replaced by uh, Oliver Cromwell during the interregnum. And when for that short period we were a republic, yeah, I love that interregnum. And, and people considered the blood of kings to be holy and healing. Mm -hmm. uh, after a monarch were uh, initially, uh, people would get the king to touch uh, a kerchief or a piece of cloth, and then they would apply it to a wound or a sore or a, an injury or an ailment. Um, and after the death of, um, uh, you know, after the execution of some monarchs, which did happen, uh, and most notably Charles I, the executioner would make uh, money but because people would pass um, a kerchief uh, or a small piece of cloth to be dipped in the pool of blood. Uh, right. that was using from, you know, from Charles I. And then they would take it away as the royal blood, which they would apply as a healing balm or agent. So this belief in the... Now, I mean, you look right back to the Greeks um, and, and the ancient Egyptians who considered that their rulers were, in fact, divine. Um, and that they were God's yeah, representative. I mean, just, it's easier than thought to be, be designed, but this, this uh, the confessor was actually... Uh, can, uh, canonized by Pope Alexander, um, you know, he was declared an official saint. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there are, there are um, what's the word of it, testimony of his ability to heal people and, and do other miraculous things as well, which fits right into the paranormal because uh, we, we often overlook that por portion of the uh, paranormal where we have these uh, things that we can't explain, uh, miraculous healing and and uh, that type of uh, raising of the dead and so forth. Oh, absolutely. Um, but as I said, our very first, uh, England's very first patron saint wasn't St. George. It was St. Edmund, um, who was one of our kings, one of our Anglo-Saxon kings. Mm -hmm. um, and again, the church requires a certain degree of proof um, and a number of miracles um, and a number of um, testaments to the saintliness mm -hmm. in order for them to be canonized, which I believe took place in 1161 mm -hmm. um, in the case of Edward the Confessor. In, in, the middle, in the Middle Ages, in the medieval period, uh, at the time, for example, of not just two kings fighting each other, but there were two popes. There was a pope in oh, France. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, was, oh, and it, at that time, some of the... Some, um, canonizations were politically motivated 
rather like uh, like we have today with the House of Lords, where people can buy um, titles by donating money to political parties or, you know, um, yeah, it, I mean... <laughs> It's, it, it was a, it was an imperfect system. However, by the what's interesting is by the nineteenth century and currently, um, the system for canonization and the the requirement to declare miracles, it in terms of the Catholic Church, which you would be better acquainted with, the the level of rigor and scrutiny that is applied to. It is way above and beyond normal scepticism. Um, the College of, I think it's the College of Miracles, um, or the College of whatever it is that deals with it, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're, they have a, a range of appointed experts, psychologists, medical people, etc., etc. And they would put Joe Nickel um, to shame in the degree of scrutiny <laughs> and scepticism. Yeah, and I want to wish Joe Nickel um, every good, uh, good wish after his recent... Um, uh, medical, he had a stroke. Uh, I think. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, so, I'll, I'll, I'll best wish you to. Right, right. But, but you know that, that we think of skeptics, or we think of uh, Catholics as being gullible and believers of miracles. Mm-hmm. But the Catholic Church, actually, if you look at um, the particular College of Cardinals that deal with miracles and whether a miracle should be accepted and whether a saint should be declared and their level of scrutiny and um, um, scepticism mm-hmm. and inquiry is it would would you know it would make Joe Nickel um, proud and pleased. Yeah. And uh, anyways, this uh, this. Uh Fall will be Spirit Quest in, in search of which that's a miracle in itself. Yes, which we talked about you being on in the new Spirit Quest. I mean, yes, Spirit Quest, the new in search of. And uh, I was my son and I. Uh, it's his birthday, so we came over and we took him out to lunch. And uh, as a tradition, we we watched the original uh, episodes of the original series. And I noticed that one of the ones coming up will be Haunted Castles. And at Spirit Quest this year, we have a gentleman with you, I believe, that will be doing a uh, presentation on haunted castles, and that would be Dylan Jones. I believe, yeah, he's got a bio, hasn't he, on the Spirit Quest newsletter, New England. Anyway, Dylan, he's referring to you. Yes, yes, yes. I, I'm really looking forward to uh, to doing this talk and um, looking at the ten most haunted castles in Great Britain. Yes. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you what they are because you, if you want to find out, you've got to come to Spirit Quest. Right, and uh, you know I'm going to be intrigued because I'm going to watch this episode and I'll see how it compares to your yeah. list. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be fascinating. Yeah, but, uh, fascinating. Yeah, oh, this year, you? this year, this year is uh, it, you know it, it's interesting because we not only look at ghosts and we look at uh, we're going to be looking at various. Other things as well, including there is. Have you seen the list of speakers? But ladies and gentlemen, if you're not going to Spirit Quest this year, it is ram-packed um, with with speakers. I mean, it got to the point where we, we were. I was looking at the schedule, or as you Americans say, schedule schedule um, the other day, you and say I said schedule. We say schedule. I say tomato. You say potato. Absolutely. 
and I, I was I, I actually suggested to Ron that maybe I need to do an additional talk called In Search of the Bathroom Break <laughs> because I don't see how we can fit them all into just two and a half days. It's all here. Don't worry about it. I'm not worried about it. So I it's was... exciting. Uh, and, you know, the interesting thing about uh, spirit courses and the different ones is because some of these uh, topics, you know, I'm a little eh, sketchy about UFOs. I'm not sh- sure if what I believe, and I believe UFOs meaning unidentified flying objects, but are they aliens or something like that? I don't know if I'm ready to jump to that conclusion. Uh, but we have uh, two gentlemen from MUFON uh, who will be there, and they, I guess they're bringing evidence, so this would be intriguing in itself. And uh, we also have someone on Bigfoot, uh, which is another interesting subject. And we, I believe we have someone on the Loch Ness Monster as well. I don't know if he's bringing the Loch Ness Monster or, or the babies or what, but we'll find out. What, we, uh, we just have to wait and see and keep our fingers crossed that um, you know, Homeland Security allows the container of water through. I think yeah. we've actually got some Loch Ness water as well coming. Really? It should be if it's still on the shelf. I don't think so. I think I drank it. Oh, that's a shame. No, it's an experiment I did. I put it in, put my goldfish in it to see if they would, uh, you know, grow oh, buff Because, and... I mean, there's a backstory here. So, um, I think an earlier spirit quest, was it for, uh, uh, 014? Mm-hmm. One of the things that you requested or asked me if I could bring over was some water from the Loch of Ness. And a, a vial of said water was duly acquired mm-hmm. and flown at no expense to Ron whatsoever. Oh, no, no, of course not. To New England. Right. And he's drank it. Yeah. I feel much better, too. Thank you. I mean, teller of curious tales, can you believe this? That would make a curious tale in itself. Mm. And there will be. Um, oh, yes, of course. Yeah, like you say, tell us. There's going to be a very special exclusive teller of curious tales i believe on the friday night yes there is and going back to the quick thing on a comment on the water is that i I also possess of course uh saint's blood is a relic first degree relic of uh, saint chabelle and uh it's it's basically the blood dissolved in holy water and um i had there was this little old lady in church who was suffering and uh i gave her a little vial of the stuff uh and uh next time, I, next time i saw her i found out that she actually drank it <laughs> oh oh <laughs> yeah don't you just hate it when somebody drinks your first class rally yeah <laughs> <laughs> I so, made tea with it. What, the ground-up bones of some... So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they do. I mean, in in, oh, in, in New England, in New England, um, during the uh, early uh, 16th century, or you know, later since the 16th century, we had a series of uh, vampires uh, here. And basically, uh, what it was believed that we had... Uh, consumption and people were dying of it so they thought that they were vampires so they would dig up the bodies after they were buried and if they had fresh blood in them and, and various other things 
then what they would do is uh, there's a, a several rituals. So one of the things they would do is they would cut out the heart and other organs and burn them and then feed the ashes of the uh, vampire to uh, those who were smitten by him because they believed they were sick. They were under the vampire's influence. And there's a whole series of those uh, events happening in New England around uh, the... the uh, Isn't that at the uh, Kittery Convention Center next spring? What's that? One of these the, the things where they burn vampires and werewolves. I read something on, on social media recently about um, an event that's at Hampton Beach in Kittery in the spring of 2019. No clue. No. Okay. No clue, what you're talk- no clue what you're talking about, but... Uh, no, no clue. Good view. Tom of Curious Tales seems to be very busy next to me. I think he's feeling left out. Well, that's his Maybe problem. we should get him to do, a, do as a Curious Tale. What? Can't do one. He can. He, he can. did one last night on the West Files. Well, he did the yeah. voice of one last night on the West Files. He did. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the West Files, uh, hosted by Steve Parson on uh, Pure something or other radio. Yeah, Pure West Radio. Go on, do, do the, yes. um, we, we discovered that the Teller of Curious Tales has a fan. Um, my co-host, Ronaldo, went all girly and giggly. Do you remember like you were when Derek Okora came and was our guest on Ghost Club? No, I don't remember that at all. Well, I do. I'm sure if people scroll back through the podcast, I'm sure they can find that particular episode. Um, we had a similar situation occurring last night on the West Files, mm-hmm. but it was all down to the teller of Curious Tales' curious laugh. Of course. Yeah. It was quite disturbing, actually, that somebody really liked that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was a bit freaked out by it. <laughs> So I, I understand. I forgot about that. Uh, Steve is no longer flying solo in the West Files. He's imported himself a uh, a uh, cohort to, uh, you know, stroke all, the best show, all of the best shows need a co-host. Stroke a seagull. So um, there you go. Stroke a seagull. Yeah, that's what I said. Stroke a seagull. That's what you. Why mean. would you want to stroke a seagull? If you believe that they said that, then that's what it is. <laughs> Well, Dylan also heard you say stroke a seagull. Yeah. Very good. Everybody should stroke a seagull. <laughs> Especially Steve Striegel. There we are, then. Anyways. Um, yeah, we have a guest. I mean, I think you should, as the host. Wasn't, should... he, wasn't he an actor, Stephen Seagull? Yes. No, no, not that I know. He, he, he wrote books. I'm going to leave you two to it for a minute. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, uh, Dylan, what have you got to say for yourself uh, being sitting next to the, the great Steve Parson, whose uh, bio needs no introduction? Well, we, we've had a very interesting... no bio. <laughs> we've had a very interesting couple of days. Really? What have you been up to? Um, well, we did a fair bit of filming yesterday. Excellent. Yeah, uh, and we tried to do a bit today, but without much success. We had a little bit of a, a technical issue, shall we say. But um, I, like, you know, I like the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a bit of technical issue, more to the more to the point, um, with audio. But never mind. We live and learn. Uh, but yeah, we, we've been sort of uh, making some plans for uh, for our imminent arrival. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, getting very, very excited about uh, and counting down the days until we get there. The spread, of course. Yep, that's excellent. So, uh, Dylan, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your background, of course, and, and do a lot with film. And, and uh, you're also a member of Parascience, but in, in all the places, and, and you do shoot a lot of a lot in haunted locations. Have you ever uh, recorded anything unusual on 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 these uh, locations? Well, it was funnily enough. Um, I was up in uh, in Edinburgh a few weeks ago. And I was in Greyfriars Kirkyard, um, which is uh, just around the corner from uh, Edinburgh Castle. And I was I was shooting the um, the graves and uh, the Mackenzie mausoleum, um, um, yeah, and the Covenanters' prison that area. And there was one particular shot I was trying to get, and the camera was just refusing to play ball. Mm-hmm. And every time I went to take this one shot of the Mackenzie mausoleum, the camera would freeze. I would try and film a different place, work fine, turn back to do this one, and it wouldn't work. That's the only time I've ever had anything unusual, but I strongly suspect it was a problem with the camera. You know, that's easy to to say, but that's something that uh, we've been plagued with for years, and uh, most of the old VHS cameras had the auto zoom and, and auto focus, excuse me, auto focus. And uh, you'd be filming something static and then all of a sudden it would go out of focus. And I always found that intriguing. Uh, wasn't sure if it was paranormal or not, but it, what, what caused it to go out of focus? And, and that's what always intrigued me. Well, actually, when I was discussing this with Steve, um, his uh, knowledge of that particular area actually brought something to the fore. Um, now, to the behind the area in which I was filming, mm-hmm. uh, actually part is, is the University Harriet Watt, um, the Harriet Watt building, and they have a lot of equipment in there that generates electromagnetic fields. What is the uh, magnetism? Edinburgh University Department of Robotics. Um, is housed immediately behind the Covenanters' prison, which not many people would realise. Mm-hmm. Um, and is responsible for putting out a great deal of Wi-Fi signals and, and RF and all manner of other stuff. Right. It's entirely possible that that's what caused. Right. Have you have you tested it? Have you have you bombarded your camera with the EMF or high EMF or ultrasonic or or God no, forbid, I mean, infrasound to see if it did that or you just take Steve's word for it? I'm just curious. Uh, you know, it'd be worthwhile going back to have a look. But I've never had the problem anywhere else. I also get. I also that wasn't my key suggestion. Um, that was one of several mm, suggestions. That was Possibil- yeah. and possibilities to explore. Oh, That's possibilities great. to explore. It sounded to me like a debunking, if you ask me. No, I wasn't debunking. I was merely making suggestions because in order to debunk, I would have <laughs> to just go. Now it was. That's pretty much what you do. Just saying. <laughs> Anyways, more right along. Uh, okay. The, um, the So that's the only place yeah, you've ever... We know the tunes have started. That's why we're not talking. Oh, okay. Anyways, yeah, where is my thing? So I guess we should take a break, right? We'll be right back. Welcome to Tokyo. 
Radio with a cutting edge. Hi, Steve Parsons here looking for sea monsters in Tenby, West Wales. And I'll be over in New England looking for your sea monsters this coming fall. Join me, Ron Kolek, and a host of others at Spirit Quest 2018. We'll see you there. And spooky, they all talk gobbledygooky. The Parrax family, the shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal. The Parrax family, they're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Welcome back. You're listening to New England's own Van Helsing and the teller of curious tales and me, the humble gold standard in ghost hunting. And this is Ghost Chronicles International broadcasting live on Togginet and Para-X. Or you might be listening to us on one of the podcasts. Tune in or iTunes. I don't know and I don't care. Clearly, haven't I? Anyways, uh, before I do forget, I do want to mention uh, on September 8th, I will be broadcasted live for the grand opening of Circles of Wisdom in Methuen for two hours from 10 a.m. to noon. Uh, the Blonde Bombshell will be with me as we talk to some of the, the uh, speakers there, some of the patrons. and uh, So drop by and uh, say hello to us. That'll be at uh, September 8th, Saturday from 10 to noon at Circles of Wisdom in Methuen now. So there you go. And, of course, Spirit Quest is the end of the month, which is September 28th, 29th, and 30th. And you can read more about it at nighostproject.com, nighostproject.com. So there you go. Did you like the way I included that on that video promo? No, I didn't listen to the promo. No, no, no. On the video promo, it's subtitled underneath where people can get tickets and details. No, I didn't see that. I'm sorry. I haven't seen the video. Utter and complete waste of time. He harassed and harangued me to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went out of my way. I'm over sure it, a I'm, weekend to do it. I'm sure. I'm sure it's very good, Steve. And it hasn't been. Yeah, he's actually. To be honest, he's never read Ghostology or Paracoustics. Right. Okay. The level of mm. yeah, yeah, and we're going over to yeah. help out. And no, that's the way you're treated. No, that means set up the tables, mm. build the fire pit, install the printer, right? Um, set up the speakers' room, make tea, coffee. We'll set up the tables in the in the food hall. Yeah, right. Um, Cheap labour. Lay out the tables. Mm. Yeah. Shall I get the violin now? Yeah. No, you, you'll, you'll be at the other end of the table lifting them so, around. So it looks like, Dylan, it sounds like I'll be looking for someone else to uh, replace Steve next year. I guess he's he's a little uh, annoyed at the situation, so he doesn't like doing anything uh, that he has to. He's very sensitive. Manually. 
you know, that's difficult. I don't know. Has, just... has it ever been a problem in recent years? Have all anyway. the been done? So, uh, hey, are we having to dress it up nice on the Friday? Yes, we are. Thank you. And what's the theme this year? Uh, in search of pirates. <laughs> well, basically, so you would win if you had, say, I don't know, wooden leg and a parrot? It might. You just That'd might. Be cool. Uh, I just <laughs> might. I, I don't know. I'm not a judge, so I can't tell you. Am I going to be the judge this year? I don't know. Usually the people that don't dress up, they're the sticks in the mud that have no no fun, or, you know, those are the guys that we make judges. That's fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. There you go. It's Catholic one again. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, going back to the, the uh, episode of uh, In Search of the new one, it's out, uh, and, and I did get to watch it, and I was quite impressed by Steve's performance as well as uh, Ann Winspers. I had a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. Sure. Uh, I, I don't know if I should hold these for the. You think I should hold these for the? Uh, if if you you and Ann come on the show, you want me to just? Yeah, I'm sure you'll. I'm sure we'll have more questions when Ann joins us. Okay, I, I noticed that you had a a, a a meter in one of the. Yes, I did. Shots and and I noticed the, the, the you know the uh, the shot plug for parascience written across the. <laughs> uh, but uh, parascience. It was so that we know it tells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, what, what what was that particular meter you were using, Steve? That particular meter was an NTI uh, minimizer, I think. Um, I think. Well, I think because well, it, whether whether it you could still call it that because we used it, it when when we I was designing the infrasound um, measuring equipment for the PhD. One of the things I was quite keen on doing was is measuring um, in a handheld portable format because the equipment I designed was much bigger. It required several flight cases and and, yes. um, and it could go down to very low frequencies. But what I needed um, for some applications was a, a more portable handheld unit. So we, I, I went to NTI and we uh, they had an off-the-shelf solution that wasn't quite good enough um, and what we managed to do was work with NTI in order to change the um, software really? and, and adapt the inputs that would allow it to go um, into the much further into the infrasound range than the standard off-the-shelf commercial product. Um, so it did start off as um, uh, an off-the-shelf product, but it was modified prior to delivery. I wasn't familiar with the unit, so that was one of the things I definitely wanted to ask you, and, and uh, it, so now I know. So, uh, yeah, I was, uh, it was... It's capable of um, measuring down to 5 hertz um, at a calibrated level, so that, um, you know, it's calibrated to um, the, st the, the current standards for noise measurement um, mm -hmm. and sound level measurement. Um, and on the day, as I recall, I think it was measuring something like 11.5 hertz um, that was present. What's interesting about the program is, it, uh, due to the extreme weather that, that was uh, on the day, because uh, we were we were in a, a snowstorm, which meant that we had to do a lot of the indoor shoot, shoots. Uh, outdoor locations had to be cancelled and moved to indoor locations nearby. So. The the actual measurements that we were doing live on 
during filming were actually not quite in the right place, but due to the inclement weather, it was not possible to film them up on the street at street level. So oh. we had to we had to retire to the haunted crypt of St Luke's Church, um, which in itself has got you know a number of time slip events associated with it. It does, but of course all those time slips were experienced at street level, but we couldn't operate up there because the church doesn't have a roof, courtesy of the German Luftwaffe. Um, and so we had to descend into the crypt to make measurements. Oh, you always blame them for everything. But but um, as, as, as with um, a lot of television shows, there is an element of show and tell um, and making do with, uh, you know, what you've got with the circumstances you've got. But I was, I was when we, when Anne accepted the role on the program, because Anne was the one who was initially invited, mm-hmm. um, there was a degree of synchronicity because <laughs> In Search Of uh, was a title that you and I came up with um, for Spirit Quest 2018, but we came up with it a long time ago in 2017 with yeah, no concept yeah. of anybody ever revisiting Nimoy's original series. Correct. And idea. And um, it was it was wry synchronicity that Zach Quinto, as executive producer, decided to revisit and then, by coincidence, involve Anne and then myself in, in the production. Mm-hmm. So... In all, in all fairness, it, the new series is not quite like the old series. Uh, Zach is more of a uh, a participant in the in the uh, the show versus uh, you know, Leonard Nimoy, who was uh, the narrator of the show. Well, as I say, I, I know the series well, and it was a it was a favorite of mine growing up. Uh, Nimoy stayed very much in the studio and was a link presenter, right. Um, whereas Zachary wanted to, as you say, participate and explore for himself. And there have been there have been some positive comments made about the new series, and there's been some criticisms of the new series in that it, it's not in depth enough, or that it doesn't give some of the subjects sufficient gravitas and and weight. But I think it's early days. I mean, what are you five shows in now to the first series? And um, I think. Any show in its first series has to find its feet. Unfortunately, uh, unlike uh, Houdini and Doyle, it could end up on the well. It could shopping it, block. It could indeed. I mean, that was a magical series that um, that the BBC did with uh, what was the American network Fox? Was it? Yeah, I believe it was Fox. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a and that was of course was the inspiration for Spirit Quest twenty seventeen. Was this um, drama? Um, I guess we were, I guess we were the only two people that really liked that series. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we don't have any say when it comes to um, recommissioning a series, but it was a fantastic series and included modern topics. Um, like, I mean, one of the programs actually included infrasound, which, of course, the concept wasn't even dreamt about in that period of time. It, right. it really only you know, came into existence as a concept in the 1980s, 1970s. So what got you on to infrasound, Steve? I mean, that became a big thing with you. As, as you said, you wrote uh, Paracousis, which is a big part of it. And, and you've come up with these meters and, and so forth and designing equipment. What, you know, what turned you in that direction? Um, well, it, 
it wasn't the first choice for the PhD. The first put choice of the PhD was to look at temperature and the reports of anomalous temperature changes that are coincident with reports of paranormal activity being experienced. But then I real, I, I'd read the work of Vic Tandy and uh, I realised that there were more interesting questions to be asked and hopefully answers sought looking at sound sound is something that i've always been interested in i used to play bass guitar and i you know like a bass head so i like low frequency stuff i understand low frequency sound um and it just it was a puzzle it was it was a, it was a question and a question for me is like an open sore i i don't like having things left unanswered Mm-hmm. And I realized that rather than temperature, the, there was more that was just, it was just plainly more interesting to me. I just connected with sound better mm-hmm. and thought that uh, this was more of a direction that I wanted to go. And it initially started just as a side project of the temperature PhD. And uh, why, you know, why, you know, why do you believe that you know, infrasound is associated with the paranormal? I don't believe I can I can demonstrate that it's associated with paranormal experiences, and that's not based on one uh, you know a sample of one or two people. This is based on samples of you know n equals several hundred people in repeatable experiments, and not just carried out by me. They were carried out all across Europe. Um, none of them really looking at paranormal uh, links and associations with sound and the paranormal. What they were looking at is how sound, very low frequency sound, infrasound, affects people, affects how they perform. So, for example, could astronauts uh, operate effectively during the launch cycle? Uh, could lorry drivers and truck drivers, um, when, you know, next to the the, the low frequency um, that's being generated by the big diesel engine in the truck or locomotive drivers in America, how could they, you know, was being subjected to this vibration um, all day um, affecting their performance and their ability to complete tasks? But when you look at the re- how the performance is affected and then you look at the type of experiences that people report and say or believe are paranormal, there are very strong um, similarities between the two. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't me that made that first link. In fact, it was um, Professor Michael Persinger in 1979. Uh, he, recently, he died two weeks ago. And this is the man who everybody will or most normally remember for um, the links of the God helmet and electromagnetism um, and its relationship with paranormal experiences. But in 1979, in a, in, in a book he wrote, um, he, 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 he wrote a simple paragraph. He never pursued it, but he wrote a simple paragraph suggesting that very low frequency tectonic infrasound may be a component in the sense of foreboding and, and fear that people and animals felt prior to Uh, earthquakes and Mm -hmm. they then you know they couldn't hear anything but they sensed that there was an earthquake coming Mm -hmm. and he suggested that it might have been infrasound now he never he never did anything further on that he went off and designed the god helmet and the mf studies which for which he became um rightly famous he spawned a whole generation of emf meters and k2s uh, from from his papers um but vic tandy in in the um, talking to the dead 
Sorry? Soon talking to the dead. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Uh, um, so EMF meters became communication devices. That's right, they did. Yeah. Uh, but Tandy in, in the latter half of the 1990s, before his own um, all too soon um, death, was the first to, su to suggest that uh, due to his own experience um, whilst in a workshop in Coventry, that there might be a, a more direct link between this low frequency sound that you can't hear um, and these strange sensations, feelings, and even visual hallucinations caused by oscillation of the eyeball. And he cited a NASA paper because um, NASA had said in a paper that the human eyeball vibrates at a particular frequency. Um, as most things do. As most things do. And, he, and Tandy suggested that that was um, in some way responsible for apparitional encounters or experiences, these corner-of-the-eye phenomena. Now, he, he sadly, Vic Tandy died. Um, my own experiments have shown that that idea of eyeball vibration isn't isn't um, valid, and that uh, the, the people don't report apparitional or visual hallucinations when subjected to infrasound. Um, the thing that the press latched onto was that there was one particular frequency, eighteen point nine hertz, the frequency of fear. Um, in fact, a movie was even suggested and a, a script written for the movie. Um, there is no frequency of fear. There is no uh, one particular frequency that will induce scary sensations within people. It's actually a much broader uh, range of infrasound frequencies. And we can, re we can do this repeatedly now um, and repeatedly in experiments. The problem with the 18.98 or any other single frequency is if you subject somebody to one single frequency for more than a couple of minutes, the brain, being incredibly clever, just moves a, a, a notch filter over it and nulls out the effects of it. Uh, but in broad spectrum infrasound... Yeah, my, my father used to do that to my mother. Yeah, the brain can't deal with it, and, and so it, it is much more affected. Mm -hmm. So anyway, Dylan, uh, you be coming here, and, and you saw the lineup, Dylan. Lots of uh, topics coming to the Spirit Quest. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do a little little uh, quiz to you now, and we're going to basically ask you opinion, and you're going to give me your opinion, whether yes or no, and the reasons behind it. So, okay. We'll start with uh, we'll start with Mr. Steve Parsons' subject, Loch Ness monsters and lake monsters and and uh, um, sea serpents. Do they exist? Am I going to answer this yes or no? Wow, that's right. And why? Um, I'm going to go with as much as I would like it to be a yes. I'm going to go with a no. And why? You just can't say it because I think that. Uh, in the case of Loch Ness, I think they've done so many searches. Um, there have been some very interesting eyewitness accounts, but I think that there is a man who hasn't done his research on Loch Ness. That's what I figured too. <laughs> From what I've read, and only what going on what I've read, not the sun, read everything. The, daily, the, daily. the sun is a comic for grown-ups. I don't read that. Um, no, I, I, and I, I'm just yet to find anything that convinces me that. As much as I would like it to be true, I just don't think it is. 
Okay, thank you very much. So we'll try another subject. Bigfoot. Yes or no? And no. why? No. Um, I would say that the same thing as it was happened with uh, Loch Ness. Um, I think there have been some you know, interesting accounts. Um, I've read some of the some of the books about New England and some of the things that have been sent off for analysis, and nothing has come back that so far suggests to me that it's anything other than mistaken identity or um, the sort of hair samples of a deer or a, or a bear or anything like that. So, you know, I'm willing to be, if somebody wants to present the evidence, fine. But at the moment, I'm going to go with a no. Then move right on to UFOs. Uh, oh, that one's more of a tough one. Um, I'll go with a yes, because I think that there's a lot more to explore in this big cosmos of ours and i think that uh there might be something in that might be something that so you believe that we're being visited by alien races well some of the people who uh (laughs) that we come across and that we see in the news a lot it does make you think they're already here (laughs) i always i I, on a side note I, i we did a show on conspiracies one time and i always loved the one that uh the earth is really ruled by a lizard, a race of lizards, <laughs> including, yes. including the queen. And uh, Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely yeah. agree with that one. But, uh, okay, that's that's, good. That, that's funny. What's one of the, the, the other two subjects, Bigfoot and uh, Loch Ness Monsters, I couldn't believe in them uh, very much. So uh, UFOs, I, I tend to not to. That's intriguing. Um, so let's go right on to another time slips. Um, I would go with a yes on that one. I'm fascinated at this. That, that's got some interesting, uh, interesting accounts associated with it. Um, so yeah, I go with a yes on that one. Just a yes, and a kind of interesting accounts. So yeah, you you believe that the uh, the experiences of different people uh, is what turned you to that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair I just interject there. I would actually be inclined more towards a no. Okay. You would what? I would be inclined more towards a no there. Okay. Was was I supposed to ask your opinion? No, no, no. I was just, but then Steve has researched that a lot more than I have. I'm just going. But and would and would probably give you the opposite answer. Mm. Really? Oh, that's intriguing. Okay, but it's just opinion, isn't it? And just yeah, it is. It's it's all. I only said inclined towards. It's very hard when you've got to give a yes or no. I know. That's what makes it easy. It's easy to say, well, you know, maybe uh, or sort of. Uh, but if you have to give a yes and a no and uh, give a reason why, it makes it, you makes it, honestly, it makes you think about it a little bit harder mm. than you would. Because it's it's easy. A lot of these things, well, could be, you know, uh, Loch Ness was, could be, you know, it was, uh, you know, whatever. And then any of these, if you could do the maybe or the could be, it's it's very yeah. easy. But when you you have to chose an answer and give the reasons why, it's, mm. it makes you think a little deeper. And that's what we're hoping to do at uh, Spirit Quest this year yeah. is that we're trying to get people to think about their their own beliefs, whether, you know, uh, they believe going in one way or another is sit through one of these presentations and and uh, see what the presenter presents and uh, see if your mind changes. To me, that would be 
In fact, you know what? I am just thinking about sitting here that I might do a little survey uh, for spirit requests. And before you go into it, uh, have you uh, answer a simple little question or, or, you know, a very sh simple survey and see if it changes after the presentation. So what do you think of that, Steve? Yes or no? <laughs> yes or no? Um, yes or no, Steve? <laughs> yes, because it would make you happy. Oh, there you go. That's good. Making me happy is, is the most important thing in this world for anyway and we have you know we have an, a, an interesting thing uh quantum spoon bending and, that, and that's a subject that i thought was uh you know basically a trick and uh i took a, a class in it and by gene ang who was a quantum physicist uh, well as a physicist before we became quantum physicist but then um it, you know what i that's the one that sticks in my mind that i'm not sure uh, it's like, I didn't believe it, but I kind of do now. That's the, the, the intrigue, being able to bend spoons using the modalities that they uh, taught you. It's, 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 you know, really intriguing. Do you, you think, well, you, you might have your chance to do it there. Uh, Steve, are you going to try it? I'm absolutely going to try it um, because it would be foolhardy of me not to try it and uh, find out for myself. I, at the moment, I'm inclined towards saying um, quite strongly that no spoon bending or quantum spoon bending, mechanical spoon bending, I'm very much in, in favour of it being a reality. But yeah. any other form of spoon bending at the moment, nah. But I, I'm more than willing to participate uh, and give it my fullest and have my opinion altered. And, you know, it's a dream because when I went into that class and I sat in the back of the class by myself and uh, they gave us the, the fox to, for the, the class and they were heavy, heavy fox. And I, I played around with them to see if I could bend them just doing it. And it, I couldn't do it, to be honest with you. And I listened to the, the thing. I thought I'm going to do it. I went in with an open mind. I said, OK, uh, I know I don't really believe this, but I'm going to. At least go through the motions and see if it's uh, applies. So whatever they said to do, I did it, and to my surprise, it worked. And uh, I know you and I had talked about this at, at length, and and, and that uh, you tried a long time ago and with unsuccessful with it. So uh, I'd be really seriously interested yeah, in I'm, your I'm reaction. Looking to, I'm looking forward to participating in that one. Yeah, and uh, Dylan, have you ever tried spoon bending? I have and failed miserably. So again, I'd be willing to give it another try. I know, and, and that's the it's it's so intriguing because uh, Anne Ryan uh, once again she's learned how to do this, and you know it, it's just like they can do it so easily. Uh, you get and it's all be honest with you, it's it's all in that mindset thing, which is intriguing. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to Spirit Quest. So many different subjects, so many different uh, modalities, and uh, uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, I'm doubtful in a lot of them, but you know what, maybe it's going to change my mind. And I, I really got to think I'm going to do this survey because I think that would be uh, just an interesting uh, little project to do. Whatever makes you happiest. And I see our delivery from the Haunted Pizzeria has arrived. It has? Oh. Interesting. 
So once again, if you're interested in Spirit Quest, go to anyghostproject.com, letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. And you can see Steve and Ann Winsper on um, In Search Of. Just uh, I put the link up on uh, my Facebook page uh, a while ago, but just go to the Travel Channel, I believe it is. Oh, no, was it just Travel Channel? Oh, can't remember the channel. History Channel. History Channel. Thank you very much. Goodness gracious. And uh, they have the link up there for uh, viewing on demand. So, But understandably not in the UK? No, not yet. We're due to get it in the fall. But I don't understand how, how they block you. It's one you. of these regional things. Um, Do they block it, you? Is that how it works? Yeah, it's to prevent us seeing stuff that hasn't been released in the UK. But um, how do they know where it's being viewed? But it's, I, I, it's witchcraft. I mean, it's the same as we were looking at. It was the same today. We were looking at um, Best Buy in Nashua. Yeah. Um, and we were looking at some products on there, or trying to look at products on their website, but it knew that we were in the UK and it wouldn't let us. Ah. Um, it magic kept saying that you can't. The magic of the internet. You can't buy products internationally. We said, well, we don't want to. We actually want to go there and buy products. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Anyways, uh, anything you want to add, Steve? No, only that we're both, what, three and a half weeks away now and looking forward to the annual, the annual battle with Homeland uh, Security. Mm-hmm. It's not three and a half. Don't rush it. It is three and a half. No, it isn't. It is. No. Nearly. What's today's date? 28th. 28th? Yeah. You'll be coming over in a month. 28th of September. 27th. Whatever. <laughs> There's the tunes. Dylan, thanks for joining us, even though you Pleasure. haven't worded it edgewise. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law. Have you heard?